Well, the passage we're looking at is in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you'll remain standing while we uh, read the Word of God. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll read the first eight verses. Um, We looked at uh, verse 4 last time, so we're kind of picking up uh, from verse 5 and following. So this is the Word of God from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but precious in the, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to, to, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. This is God's own word. Please have a seat. Well, uh, I usually say something to the young people. I had a friend named Peter Hopkins. And Peter lived in a, uh, a house very much unlike my house. It had all kinds of rooms, big columns in front, and uh, it had one huge room with a stone fireplace, and there was a deer's head above the fireplace. Um, There were gardens. It had uh, a pond for a goldfish, the big goldfish called koi, and then it had a fish pond where you could go fishing. Uh, it had a maze of bushes, big uh, box, they were called boxwood bushes, um, that you could run through. There was a smokehouse and a well and uh, other buildings there. Now, I would never have gotten to go in that house if it weren't for the fact that Peter was my friend. I didn't have any right to go in that house. Uh, uh, and so uh, my ability to enjoy it was all resting on Peter. Well, to get to heaven, you have to have the right friend. Jesus has to be your friend. If Jesus is your friend, then you have a right to be in heaven because He has paid the penalty for your sin. And we're going to talk about that and a lot of other things. But something that you can be thinking about is why would you go to heaven? Well, you go to heaven because of Jesus and what Jesus has done. So let's pray that God will help us to all understand 
uh, his word and uh, trust what he does. Father in heaven, we pray that your Holy Spirit might now work, um, overcome my weakness, overcome all of the things in each of us that would keep us from uh, hearing your word and thinking of your word. We know that the enemy of our souls, your enemy, seeks to steal the word so that we become unfruitful. But we thank you that because of Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit is at work in us to make uh, that uh, word take root and bear 30, 60, and 100 fold. We pray that you'll be with us now and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've been uh, involved in home missions for a very, very long time. And uh, the home mission works I've uh, been involved in have met in um, schools. And we met in a music studio one time. We met in funeral homes. Uh, We met uh, sometimes outside. Uh, We met... uh, in a town hall once. So we've had to uh, adapt and meet in different places. Uh, Now this church has been going for a while and God has provided places for us to worship. Uh, Maybe we're going to be forever, but the most important thing is we come in Jesus Christ. And that means that we're coming to heaven itself. Jesus brings us by his spirit to the very uh, edge of heaven, you might call it. Uh, We're there with God uh, through the Holy Spirit. Now, you know that around this town and in every town, there are huge buildings, vast church buildings that on Sunday mornings will be largely empty because there is no gospel there. Joni and I like to go over to uh, Stanton, Virginia, and Stanton's a beautiful city. And you go into Stanton and you see these huge church buildings. uh, And they're empty on Sundays because there's no gospel there. And God's spirit has departed. Now, What we hope for is that God will be blessing Peninsula Reformed Presbyterian Church in the coming years through the ministry of Matthew Walker. That's what we're looking for. But it will happen because God brings people here in whom he is working. Now, we're looking at uh, 1 Peter, and I'm glad that this is uh, a place that I can come to before Um, I depart uh, to the wings, you might say. Um, We looked last time at verse 4, and now we're coming uh, to verses 5 to 8, which are kind of the application of what he says in verse 4. Look at verse 4. As you come to him, he's speaking of Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Then he adds this, 
but you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to look at it under three headings. We come by faith, we come by grace, and we come to serve. So we come in faith, we come by grace, and we come to serve. Now, Martin Luther, and this is something, of course, that ties into Reformation Sunday. Martin Luther was a man searching for acceptance with God. And you may know how his life unfolded. He uh, became convicted of sin during a um, thunderstorm and said, uh, St. Anne, please save me. I'll become a monk. And so he became a monk. But even that didn't satisfy him. And so he tried uh, doing something like going up the steps of St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome on his knees, uh, crawling up those steps he thought would make him acceptable to God. But that wasn't the case. And he practiced self-flagellation, beating himself with a whip, uh, thinking that God would be impressed by the fact that he was so devout that he would suffer pain. But uh, Luther never found the solace, never found the peace uh, in anything that he did because we can never be uh, reconciled to God through what we do. So for him, that effort to become a good man failed again and again because he'd think of his sin and he'd keep his confessor up all night confessing his sin the things that we do uh, how we think that the knowledge we gain and uh, we can gain a lot of knowledge and that knowledge uh, does not do us any good if it's not joined with faith what do we trust in and Peter as he speaks of these things turns to that matter as the believing ones look at verse uh, 6 he says, therefore, it says in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then he continues it in verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. Now, this word believing is a participle. It's uh, believing upon Jesus uh, ones. It's the believing ones, the ones who believe and continue believing. And what is the object of our believing? Well, Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. When asked what a person's to do uh, to be the right kind of person who pleases God, Jesus says, believe in me. Believe in me. Now, I have read uh, in the near past the biography of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, because I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. And um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a, an accomplished man, a friend of 
all sorts of famous people. Uh, he was a sportsman. Uh, he was very wealthy and a philanthropist. But he was also a spiritualist. That is, he was one who thought that by uh, going through a medium, you could contact the dead. The living could contact the dead. It started out because he wanted to contact his son who had died in World War I, but it became something that obsessed him. And he spent uh, the remainder of his life uh, trying to contact the dead or prove that there was another world a world between uh, heaven and us where the dead rested for a while. Um, his friends ridiculed him. His friends mocked him. He spent a good part of his fortune uh, trying to prove this. Uh, and again and again, the mediums that he worked with proved to be fakes, uh, to be frauds. Uh, but that didn't deter him. He continued with that kind of faith. Now, is the Christian's faith like Arthur Conan Doyle's faith? His faith was shown to be faulty, false, empty after a while. But for the Christian, we have God himself speaking. God speaks in his word. And we have the verification of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Peter himself was an eyewitness to that fact. Peter could testify that Christ had died and that indeed he had died, but he had risen from the dead. Arthur Conan Doyle had no such uh, true evidence. Now, a person who claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ must believe that he is the Son of God as he claimed to be, that he not only was the Son of God, but he became man, and so was and continued God and man, two distinct natures in one person forever. Jesus Christ became the one who died bearing the sins of his people. We have to believe that. We have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that he did not stay in the grave, but on the third day he came from the grave. Now, Peter identifies those who do not believe. He says those who are not believing. Again, it's a participial phrase. Um, it's a straightforward mark of a person's life that they are not believing ones that they are instead rejecting the kind of truth that God has. They may gravitate to something like Arthur Conan Doyle did. He had a kind of spirituality, but it was an empty spirituality. It was a deadening spirituality that left him without any hope in the final course of things. Christianity claims to be true. It claims to be true on the basis of God speaking and on the basis of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, other things claim to be true. Of course, Islam claims to be true. But Islam and Christianity cannot both be 
true. They cannot both uh, have the same truth claims. Bill Maher's atheism and Franklin Graham's profession of faith in Jesus Christ cannot both be true. There is a truth that is, as Francis Schaeffer would say, a true truth. So we have to look to God. We have to look outside of ourselves because within ourselves, all we find is confusion. Sometimes we don't know what we believe, so we have to come again and again to the Word of God. And Peter says in the final part of this section, verse 8, he says, They stumble because they disobey the Word just as they were destined to do. They disobey the Word. What's the Word they disobey? The Word about Jesus Christ. So those who do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God are under the wrath of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter um, chapter 1, it is terrifying about what happens to those who do not believe the gospel. Jesus Christ says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So the word is to be obeyed. The word of God, the word about Jesus Christ, is to be obeyed. He is a rock of offense, a stone of stumbling, but he is to be obeyed. We see millions of people around us who hate the name of Jesus, who despise the name of Jesus. Are we to say that God says, well, my son, the one I sent to bear the sins of his people, you reject him, you despise him, but that's okay. Are we to believe that God would do that? Certainly not. Jesus Christ is a threat, a threat that has to be eliminated by the unbelieving, by mockery, by despising, by rejecting him. Now, how do we come to this faith? What is the origin of our faith? Martin Luther tried to drum it up from within. He thought, if I just believe it enough, it will be true. I remember very distinctly in a, a dorm room in Lynchburg College many, many years ago, decades ago. Uh, my roommate says, why are you even looking at the Bible? And I said, I'm trying to make myself. People do. They try to make themselves believe it. Faith that we generate from within is falsely grounded. Martin Luther had no reason for assurance that he was pleasing God when he climbed the steps of St. Peter's. And certainly, Arthur Conan Doyle had to discount and ignore evidence, the evidence that people set before him again and again that uh, the mediums were fakes. We can't believe contrary to what our own hearts hold. So our hearts have to be changed. We have to come to faith in Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, 
Peter emphasizes again and again that God is the one, the one who elects, who chooses. Jesus Christ is called the chosen one, and so God's people are also elected or chosen. Christ offended many of his followers when he said to them, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. This strikes at the heart of the problem. The problem is our pride. We don't want to believe that we don't have ultimate power. We want to be able to say, I did it my way. Peter has a picture of the church as a building made up of living stones there in verse 5. These stones are chosen by God as a mason would choose the stones to build a building. Now, in the case of a mason, a skilled mason will be looking at the stones. He'll be looking at the ones that are the right shape, that are the right color, uh, that will fit in just the place that he has. But what God does instead is he takes all the stones that are rejected because we are all chipped worn, misshapen, the wrong kind of stone. And he wields his hammer, he wields his chisel, and he makes us into the right kind of stone. That's the difference that grace makes. Grace takes those who don't deserve to be used in God's building, and he fits them in and makes us into that master building. God uses nothing but chipped, broken, and weak stones. Now, verse 8 also ends with something that is an offense to human pride. Peter writes, They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. They were destined to do this. Why were they destined? Because God so destined them. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. They were appointed to this. Tithemi, they were set to this. The unbelieving and disobedient were set for this. They didn't receive the grace to believe. They weren't drawn. They weren't in the word. They were in the words of the Westminster Confession of Faith passed by. This is offensive to human pride. It's the teaching of scripture in so many places. People reject that they they are not chosen or they're not coming under their own power uh, because we all want to keep it under our own control. Our choice is what we hold as supreme We bow before the sovereign choosing of God. We stand in awe of the grace that we receive, realizing that this grace is not because of anything in us. It's because of God's choosing us for his own glory. You don't have a big enough picture of God, and this is something Steve Larson uh, went through in the uh, Sunday school lesson this morning if you don't think that God has that right. He is the creator. We are the creatures. 
he does what pleases him. And we stand by and thank God for the grace found in Jesus Christ. Well, finally, we come to serve. If we come in faith, we come by grace, we come to serve. Jesus Christ is the foundation stone. We're called the living stones because we are joined to him. We have life through him. We are made to bear uh, his purposes in our lives. We are spiritual sacrifices. Pneumaticos. Uh, pneumaticos. Yeah. I have a hard time saying that. Um, we are spiritual sacrifices that please God. We please God because he has set us for the purpose of serving. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. Instead, we give ourselves. We're living sacrifices, as Romans 1, uh, Romans 12, verse 1 says. Jesus tells us that we're to deny ourselves and to take up our crosses daily and to follow him. And that means we die to sin and we die with our thoughts, our uh, deeds and desires, our wills, give them all to God. How strongly we all want our own way. How difficult it is for us to yield and to say we're going to do things God's way. But God wants us to say no to our favorite sins. How difficult is that? It can only happen by the work of the Spirit of God. We'd much rather offer up a sheep or a goat than have to give up the sins that we love. We offer these sacrifices as priests. There in verse 5, you offer yourself, you offer yourselves like living stones being built up in the spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we act as priests because no longer is it just the line of Levi. Now it is all those who are in Christ Jesus, male and female. We offer ourselves up to God, dying to sin, day after day, year after year. We do it together because we are a living body. We're a living church. The life of the church is not a single stone existing by itself out there, um, but joined together. An old writer named uh, C.E.B. Cranford wrote, the freelance Christian who would be a Christian but is too church upon earth in one of its forms is simply a contradiction in terms that we are made to belong to one another. God doesn't leave out a single stone that is needed for the wall that he's building, the structure that he's putting together. He himself is the master builder. Jesus Christ builds his church, and because he builds his church, no stone is misplaced. It was said in Greece that the walls of the city of Sparta were the warriors of Sparta. Well, the walls of the church are you and I, are the people of God. 
those who God has redeemed in Jesus Christ, though he was despised and rejected by men and a stone of stumbling, to us he is a precious cornerstone. He is the foundation stone to whom we look. He is the one through whom we have life. Peter is showing the value of the church, not because of what we are in ourselves, but because we are joined to Christ. We have value through Christ as we come to God. We come to serve one another and to serve God in the church. What is Peninsula Reformed Presbyterian Church going to be in the coming years? You know, the vision of the church is to reach the peninsula. That's why it's called Peninsula Reformed Presbyterian. Think of the tens of thousands of people around us here, passing by on the highway out there, going to eat breakfast or lunch in restaurants, going to games at the uh, universities. Think of the thousands of people who are living apart from Jesus Christ will one day find that they have nothing. That like Arthur Conan Doyle, all that they've believed in their lives has been emptiness, proven to be false. Peninsula has a great calling, a tiny church with a great calling. In the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic, we've adopted the uh, the phrase from the gospel, uh, the harvest is uh, full, but the laborers are few, and called the ministry of church planting, joining the harvest, because the harvest is there. God is working. There are people God is working in, people God's converting. He's changing lives and changing hearts all around us. But are we going to participate in that? Were you going to think about that? Peter Hopkins had a dad named Garland Hopkins, who was a very imposing guy to me. Big guy. Mustache. He had been in the Middle East, spoke Arabic, and I was a little afraid of him. But Peter was my friend. Because of Peter, I could go to that house. Because of Peter, I could play in those gardens. Because of Peter, I had entrance into the family. That's what Christ has done for us. When we are united to him by faith, by the grace that comes in Christ, we're entering into the church that God's building. The future for Peninsula, I think, will be wonderful because you'll see the work of God. So let's pray and ask God to be at work now. Father in heaven, I thank you for this church. I thank you that it is not yet seen what you're going to do because you're going to do much more than people imagine. People who are far apart from Christ will come to faith in Christ. And I pray, Father, that you might cause uh, 
everyone to rejoice in Christ. Please, Lord God, bless Matthew uh, and his family. Uh, bless his preaching and teaching. Help him to be diligent in his studies. Uh, help him uh, to uh, rejoice in the opportunity to be a pastor to people. Help him to find the sheep out there and talk to them. Uh, help all of us uh, to pray and to serve however you are pleased to use us. We thank you, Father in heaven, uh, that what you're doing will bring glory to your own name. And we thank you that in the end it will prove to be all of grace. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.